Hello and welcome to the Extreme Tasting League podcast, where I am your sole host this time. So this is going to be weird. But I found a guest. Say hello, guest. Hello, hello. <laughs> Introduce yourself, please. Uh, hello, I'm uh, Michael Rogers, and I am uh, lucky enough to be here tasting good old scotch, eating a few uh, crackers, and nabbing at some cheese. Because that's what we have available to help cleanse the palate when we're doing this thing. So... Dave is in London because, you know, his job hates our schedule. And Perrin, unfortunately, is down with a migraine. So um, it's just me and our guest. This will be fun. (laughs) Um, Sadly, and I have to apologize to Michael here that uh, we're only going to do one episode with him this month. And I'm going to throw out uh, one of the special editions that we recorded at Convergence for the mid-November episode. So I'm going to state right now, before I forget, like every other November that we've recorded this podcast on, Top Value Liquors in uh, Columbia Heights will be doing their 15% off single malt sale. Um, I think it starts on the 5th or the 8th and goes for a couple of weeks. I know the tasting this time, rather than being on the first day of their sale, which is their, their norm, is going to be on the 15th. So it's a little weird. But I will be there. So those of you who've come out to, to hang out and, and drink the uh, samples they've got will definitely want to do that. And 50% off single malt, as you know, can be a lifesaver if you're getting those higher-end bottles. So uh, do, do remember to check that out. I will try to remember to pimp it again at the end of the show. But with that, Michael, uh, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, so... I, I'm an actor and improviser in the Twin Cities. I um, I'm, uh, teach improv as well. Um, was a preschool teacher for the last uh, couple of years, and um, uh, I'm fortunate enough to do a lot of uh, very, very fun work in the Twin Cities with a lot of great people, um, many of which uh, are uh, fun projects that are happening right now, and uh, some of which are projects that are coming up. So life is busy and life is good. So in the right now, and this is this is where I've most recently run into you again, Twin Cities Horror Festival is still running. Um, this going live on the 1st. You've got until, I think, November 4th is when the Horror Fest ends. Yes, yes. Um, so tell us a little bit about the show that you're involved with in that. Sure thing. So uh, the show's called Greenway. It's written by Tom Reed, um, who does a lot of um, work at the Brave New Workshop. He's one of their main stage performers. Um, and uh, he also had a great show in the Minnesota Fringe this uh, this summer called Gunplay. Um, but this is his kind of first, uh, what it seems, kind of dabbling into horror, um, um, the spooky times. And it's, um, um, as I mentioned, it's called Greenway. So inevitably it is about the Minneapolis Greenway, um, uh, the big stretch of uh, bike trails that goes through this city uh, that many commuters take. Um, during all hours of the day, um, but during which um, it's very terrifying, uh, especially at night and many times in the early morning. So the show is about um, these uh, this group of friends who just got out of a concert, and uh, this young woman, our protagonist, is kind of egged down to the greenway um, by a, um, a uh, uh, bit of a D-bag uh, played by... <laughs> played by myself, um, and it has less than desirable results for the D-bag and uh, for the protagonist, Ava, 
and uh, you'll just have to come and see and check out for yourself if this comes out uh, in time for you to even know that it's there, which it sounds like maybe isn't even the case. But Well, if, if I get it out on time... Um you guys are playing the evening of the first. I think you think you're the last show. Are you yeah, the Friday. Yeah, and then uh, and then Friday, um, you also have a show. So so there, there's going to be two opportunities. Assuming I post this in the morning, uh, if I post it in the evening, there still might be two opportunities if you listen right away. So that'll be on me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I I might even try to post this Wednesday night just so that it goes up a little bit early, as opposed to the last episode, which now that I'm thinking about it, as we're recording, might not be posted. So, I'll do that. Um, so, dear listeners, if you can go, please. It, 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 it's in your own best interest. Go. It's, it's a great show. I've, I've seen everything in the Horror Fest, except for Bathtub Girls, once already. A couple of shows I've seen twice. Um, I have a lot of fun. It, it's, it's definitely a good time. So, uh, is this your first time working with... Uh, with Tom? Yeah. Uh, I did a show with Tom this summer that was part of the Minnesota Fringe Festival called Couple Fight the Musical. Um, so that was at um, the Rare Arena. Really fun. Um, they've done um, um, the same kind of format for the last couple of years. Uh, it, the show has always been called Couple Fight. And there was Couple Fight 2, Family and Friends, Couple Fight 3, Weddings, Couple Fight, you know, what is now, what was, is, would have been 4. It was titled Couple Fight the Musical. And, of course, it was a musical. So I was part of that. And uh, that's how I'd, I'd known Tom and I'd seen him around. Um, but... Uh, lucky enough to be um to be a part of that and then uh i knew that this was coming up so um it worked out and lucked out enough that uh i was able to do this too and it's quite a fun little spooky ride down a down a dark dark bike path in the middle of the night where all the fun fun supernatural scary spooky kind of friday the 13th meets the i don't even know someone someone called it kind of like a friday the 13th kind of type thing of the now um Whatever that, whatever that is, uh, it, I guess it's got that a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is the second time I've ever gotten to work with Tom, and he directed, directed and wrote this one, um, and it's it's been a blast. It's been a great time. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a couple of the couple fights. I know I saw Wedding for sure, and I saw a Musical this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't remember if I if I saw the first two or not. I, I know it kind of was a phenomenon that was pretty popular and so those shows would occasionally um i think i think one or two did sell out but they they usually have it in the largest venue so Mm -hmm. um you can get in but i I think maybe my schedule didn't align because those commitment shows they have to go see everybody you know and all their things yep i've been involved with the theater community long enough now that i know enough people that i think i can fill every slot almost with shows of people i know yeah um and, and sometimes I'll go to a show I didn't know I knew someone in this show and so it's, yep. it's, it's gotten to be that point but totally. this is a scotch tasting show so <laughs> we should talk about the scotch a little bit because um, we don't have Dave to get the pour going I had to get the pour going this is why the pacing is completely off um, so the first one we're drinking is Altmore of the Foggy Moss uh, <laughs> aged 12 years um I picked this one up because I'd never seen an Altmore before. I don't remember if this was um, one of my Total Wine pickups or if it was at um, Top Value. Um, given the choice, people, I would go to Top Value over Total Wine. Total Wine is kind of like the Walmart of liquor stores. Um, you can get stuff for a good price, but their business practices are not necessarily the thing I would, I would support the most <laughs> given the option. But unfortunately, they are the place that have 
the wide variety of things we've not had on the show yet. And at episode 200 and change, which reminds me I need to grab the book real quick, um, we, we've done an awful lot of scotch. So this is... Uh, Oh, not episode 200. Episode 137, but we've done, of course, two bottles, at least per show. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's 200 plus scotch. My math is way off. Anyway, yeah, that's a thing. I'm by myself, guys. Leave me alone. So, <laughs> I need to explain to Michael here, because I've only given sort of a heads up. So, those of you who have listened before can tune out for the next 30 seconds. Um, so, we're going to nose it. And then taste it. So, um, get get in there. Get a good like get description of what the, of, of what you're getting out of. Like the nose to me, it, it's kind of reaching. I did the pour while he was telling his stories there, and there, there's a hint that's kind of been wafting in the air the entire time. So well, the hint is there. It lingers. So I'm getting uh, a sweet apple, and for those of you who know that this is the game we play on the show. I don't have one of them to say what kind of apple seedius, so I'll say it to myself. Um, many very like honey crisp, like it's a very sweet crisp, yeah, bright yeah. apple. Yeah, I'm getting the kind of sweeter, crispier sense as well. But then again, I'm a novice, so yeah, I'm I'm not getting a tartness like I would with the Granny Smith, but I'm getting kind of a Granny Smith smell to it too. I mean, I'm not sure how to describe. Kind of a mix between the two. I'm getting kind of a, a hint of vanilla in there underneath the apple as well. I'm going to reset my nose here. I've kind of been digging through it. And as of always, I'm resetting my nose with a uh, bag of True Stone coffee that I have. It's fresh roast cool beans. <laughs> um, lo- local uh, local coffee roasters, they will uh, roast your, your, your beans and deliver them to your door with your name on it. And if you use the promo code SCOTCH, you will get 10% off your entire order. So uh, I recommend you do that. So uh, I'm still, still still living on that bag of Sumatra I ordered a while before. I don't go through my <laughs> coffee very quick. So. All right, all right. Thanks, True Stone. Is there uh, anything else you're getting under there, Michael? Oh, honestly, this is a, what a revelation. What a, what a time. Uh, what a, it, just hearing you, I kind of. Um, sniff out what you are finding it is is enough for me to say oh I think that's probably there not a lot of um, not a lot to bring to the table that isn't already there right now with this nose so having reset and gone back in underneath those good smells I'm, I'm beginning to get a little bit of an acetone which, you know, kind of makes me want to stop nosing it because nail polish remover isn't my favorite smell. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move into the tasting of it here. Ditto. Mmm. It's very bright. It's a very light note. The mouthfeel, it's, it's, it's very smooth. It's, it's not clingy. Um, a little bit of an oiliness at the start of the finish. But uh, yeah, this this is I'm digging on this. I'm digging it too. Is there any uh, notes on the palette or in the finish that you're getting that I haven't called out? At least uh, the only thing that I have kind of uh, it was there. It was there, and it's gone. So whatever it was, it's escaped me. But um, 
I'd say that's about right on with what I'm kind of experiencing, what you've said so far. It's not very bitter or anything. It's uh, not overpowering. It's pretty uh, pretty refreshing and uh, I guess kind of subtle is not the right word. Well, it, it, it's, not, <clears throat> it's not the wrong word either. Um, compared to other things we've had on the show, the kind of you sip it and it's soxy in the face a little. Yeah. <laughs> this certainly does not do that. No. Um, I started talking a little too early there. There was still enough sitting in my tongue. I was kind of like, ooh, vapors. Um, <laughs> but uh, getting something in the finish, let's see if I can... Buttery is not what I want to say, but it's the first word that's coming to my brain. Here we are all the same. Um, the butter is here. It's very smooth. I'm, I'm really worried that adding water is just going to open up the alcohol burn and it's just not going to be as pleasant because this right now I'm, I'm very happy I picked this up this is pretty wonderful actually but for science I'm going to go and ruin it with a few drops of water alright here's the science going in what many jobs do you suggest um We've always said to add to whatever your taste is. And with, with the pours that I gave, um, I would say, you know, somewhere between three to seven. Mm. Give it a hearty four. That, that's between three and seven. So that works out. So the nose has not really changed too much for me. The sweetness toned down a little. Mm. I mean, a touch of that butteriness is maybe coming through in the nose. The acetone has died down a little too, but it might just be that my nose has also need, need another reset, so we'll do that. Coffee reset. Yeah, with the water, just kind of muted everything. Mm. It's still there, but not as not as bright and not as... I don't think I'd smell it from the table with the water in it like I did. But going for the sip, see see how much this got ruined. <laughs> that was not the water's fault, that was mine. Swallowing is one pipe, breathing the other. <laughs> I'll be good in a minute. Fab for a moment, will you? Ah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Let's try that again. For science. Earthier. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I, I'm getting kind of like an earthier feel on it. It, it certainly is heavier in the mouth mm-hmm. with the water than it was. I'm going to reset with a cracker. Excuse me a minute. I'm doing a hard cheese reset. And as often is the case, it is the aged Havarti that I like so much. (laughs) Perrin, it'll be good to know that I'm playing your part in the swallowing run. Since he's the one who mostly does that. We're going to hit all the gags tonight. (laughs) So it'll be hard to argue with myself like I do with Dave. 
It's kind of my work wife when it comes to the podcast. I'll do my best. Just slip into your character from Greenway. And... <laughs> I was going to say, this isn't much of a Dave drink. Dave is more of a bush-like kind of guy. Well, you did say D-bag, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm not a beer person, so it's very easy for me to slam beer. <laughs> um, yeah, all right, see here. I'm still enjoying it. I still think I like meat better. Um... <clears throat> I'm getting some sort of, like, plant matter. It's not quite a cerealness like we often get with single malts. Um, kind of tastes how I would imagine, <clears throat> like, chewing on some heather or some hay would would be like. Not personally experienced with either of those things. <laughs> um, Boy, it's been years since I last chewed the heather. Yeah, the water made mine a little less, uh, little less delightful. Yeah, I'm going to go with what I said earlier. It, it's it's got an earthiness to the finish now, kind of like a. It's not eating dirt in the same way that drinking a peaty scotch is, because I enjoy that. This is just kind of a, kind of an earthy mealiness to it, which is fine. Um, but it's it's not what it was. I I, I definitely would would say keep this one neat um but it's still really pleasant um still fairly smooth um the alcohol kicks a little bit on the tongue mm-hmm. oh, i'm still recovering from that choke damn <laughs> all right let's see if i can hold it together long enough to do with a pretentious reading of the notes what have we got here Often veiled in obscuring mist from the foggy moss, the distillery has long been shrouded in mystery, yet its whiskey's exceptional smoothness reveals why industry insiders accorded it a rare top-class status, and why the dram of locals and bucky fishermen has been a secret savored for over a hundred winters. And now the back of the bottle. A secluded site, once known for smugglers and illicit stills, the foggy moss conceals our water's source and filters it through gorse and heather, purifying it to the profit of Altmore's refined character. Our malted barley has no hint of peat smoke, ensuring the smoothest, cleanest taste. This rarest of Speyside classics has been distilled in handmade copper pots stills since 1897. Yet for over a century it was only sold in limited editions aimed at collectors. Sometimes a sly taste of Altmore could be found in a few local bars, but only if you knew to ask for a nip of the Bucky Road. Natural color. It takes its color from our cask's wood, so slightly varied in hues are normal. No chill filtering. We don't chill filter our whiskey. Feel free to add ice, and don't worry if it goes cloudy. So, yeah, it doesn't really say a lot. And we didn't talk about the color, but it was kind of a pale straw thing going on. Um, looking to see if the bottle has any more to say. Nope, nope, the... Uh, the the round about the the box that the 
the bottle came in has just exactly what was on the labels. So it uh, was not engaging in as much cork dorkery as some uh, space I <laughs> had been <laughs> to do. But uh, yeah, this was this was pretty pleasant. I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and it's certainly a distillery I hadn't heard of before. Um, so yeah, we, we, we reached the point now where we have to um, score it on our scale of one to five, where three is average. It is your, your kind of baseline. Yeah, that was fine, but nothing to write home about. Uh, one is a war crime, and five is the best thing you've had in your mouth. Um, <laughs> take that as you will. Um, and, and depending on, on the nature of your, like, alcoholic adventures, because I have no idea what your background is, um, if you want to rate this simply in the whiskeys you've had, if you want to rate it in all the booze you've had, if you want to rate it in all the flavors you've had, I mean, just kind of let us know, but scale is a, is a one to five. Um, I really dug this. This, this was, this was pleasant. Um, it was fairly simple, certainly, there, was, there weren't too many flavors, but as they said in the label itself, it, it's not complicated and it, and it does what it does pretty well. Um, it didn't give a lot of flavors notes in terms of, of, of what it was um, on there, which would have been nice to have, but, you know, that's okay. I think I think I might be a little generous. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this. I, I think I'm going to give this straight up four. Um, I, I know we don't often cross into four territory, but... I'm I'm really glad I have this bottle. I might even give it a four one. I mean, it's it's a solid, straightforward dram. I dig it. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna toss a four its way as well. Uh, being someone who hasn't necessarily scored all that many liquors in my life, um, I'm gonna go out and say that of the scotches that I've uh, that I've been graced by. I will say that um, this has definitely been on the smoother end, and um, I, I wouldn't mind drinking this at all for an evening. In fact, not even I would. Not minding is not quite doing it justice. I would, I think, um, go about choosing an evening of a of a scotch like this. Take that as you will. A four. It's a good way to start. Now, I kind of feel bad that we started with this one because I have, I have no idea if the next one will hold up. Thinking back about other other theater projects and stuff, I, I, I know that in addition to doing the uh, couple fight in this fringe, you had another show that you were promoting because I my, my first day at the Ritz, I, I was waiting in line for something. And I see you walk by, you're handing out your cards. I'm like, all right, cool. What What is this? Oh, I'm going to this show. Nice. So... Um, <laughs> Give us a little bit on uh, on what that one, how that one came about. Um, so that was a show called Now We See It, and it was my first um, my first little foray into um, horror, sci-fi. Or, um, um, it, it was very kind of, um, I guess, on brand for what I what I've liked to do in the last couple shows that I've written. Um, it's a coming of age story about um, uh, this. Uh, this character who is kind of um, um, coming to face to face with their past self. So through some um, through some means that um, um, are kind of unknown to the audience, uh, um, uh, Sam is all of a sudden looking at um, his younger self, and uh, um, 
the year uh, the year two thousand eight. So his uh, his self ten years prior to now. So he's kind of getting a lens into his life, um, and it's unable to kind of go back to the present, and is stuck kind of reliving events of the past, kind of side by side with uh, his past self. All the while, this kind of um, monster is chasing um, uh, both of them. Um, but the older Sam is kind of over time become unaware of her or doesn't quite remember quite as well. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's kind of a monster story and a ghost story about, um, coming to terms with tragedy and, um, um, kind of grief and trauma and all that. Um, and, uh, it was very, very inspired by Stephen King, big, big fan of, uh, of much and just about everything that I've read that he's written. And, uh, it was a huge, huge influence on on me when I was writing the story and um, making the show, I, uh, I wrote it, directed it, and uh, was in it as well. Um, and it was just a blast and a half. And uh, I'm hoping to one day um, turn it into more of like a more of a full length play that runs about an hour and a half or just under, and that can really kind of give me some more time to um, to not have to just sprint through an hour-long story that I, that I've, I feel like I have so much to say in and, and want to so much I want to tell and so many things that I want to see the characters go through um, some of which was already kind of um, left in the cutting room floor by the time we were already you know up and going for Fringe but as far as how it all went um, I couldn't have been happier um, from everyone that was in it and um, how it all went and how it kind of translated from the head to the page from the page to the stage and all that and um uh, it really turned out great, and I'd, I'd love any chance to to revisit it. I'm gonna kind of try to seek that out as much as I can. So that's now we see it for you. What would you say kind of was the inspiration to do that? Just to branch out into doing more. I mean, have you written before, or was that kind of a first stage thing you've done? Uh, I've written before. I've written for the last. Um, Four fringe festivals. Okay. Um, I, I wrote uh, in, um, I think it was twenty fifteen. I wrote a site specific show called Parachute, which is all about like a gym class parachute, and it was kind of a transportation to everyone's favorite gym class day. And um, it was kind of like um, the idea and the gist behind it was that it was going to be a uh, almost almost like a family sketch show, like it was going to be sketches and scenes that are based on childhood imagination. So, again, that kind of coming-of-age vein. Um, and it ended with uh, us inviting the audience to play, like, parachute games with us. It was a lot of fun. Um, and the next year I did this show called uh, An Imaginary End, which is... Um, um, I was a huge fan of Calvin and Hobbes growing up, and I, I loved the idea of, like, imaginary friends. I never had one myself. Um, but I remember, like, my brother and his friends always had this, like imaginary dog that I would always like pretend to see too and be like oh I see him there he is and they always like you know say no you don't and all that stuff so right. um I don't know and not like that's like a defining part of my childhood or anything but um it was just kind of something that's always kind of been like near and dear to me especially being a big fan of uh Calvin Hobbes so um wrote that uh that was part of the fringe as well in 2016 um it's called imaginary end and it was the idea was kind of like two Calvins, two Hobbs, um, and the Hobbs get switched. So it's it was me and um, another um, uh, actor, um, Madeline Rowe, who's a good friend of mine, um, is super, super duper great. Uh, and she and I were kind of um, 
um, young kids who are had lost our kind of um, imaginary best friends, and they they had kind of gotten um, mixed and matched. So all of a sudden, I had hers and she had mine. And we kind of had to learn to kind of reinvent our that imaginary friend and that that kind of part of ourselves. Um, and then this was kind of the I kind of want as much as I love uh, coming of age stories, um, like the inspiration of which was like. Um, I was a, always a huge fan of Stand By Me growing up and um, like uh, all the Spielberg like 80s classics like Goonies and E.T. and all that stuff. I just loved um, stories about like resourceful kids like going through like a bunch of like adversity um, mixed in with, with like a touch of the supernatural and stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I always wanted to do that and I never thought about I mean I thought about writing um a kind of more a thriller-like story or horror-like story, but I hadn't really wanted to do that until I started reading a lot of Stephen King, which, of course, led to me writing um, uh, Now We See It. And, uh, yeah, the inspiration of which was just kind of bringing kind of a closed... I feel like I moved through the kind of three stages of uh, um, kind of adolescence that, like, uh, kind of gym class, like, you know, um, elementary mentality um, that slightly above um, elementary and kind of middle school mentality where your imagination is still very lively and that's sort of a high school era where all that kind of um, um, uh, pubescent angst and awfulness happens and uh, it was, I guess it was kind of me kind of trying to close out a, a kind of personal like trilogy of sorts of uh, writing three distinct um, different time period stories that were all defined by you know growing up in some way. Sure. So that's the long-winded version of that. Well, that, that, that's it. That's perfectly acceptable. <clears throat> I don't know if I saw that show, if I just saw something that had a similar concept of, <clears throat> like, imaginary voices or the voice in the back of your head switching people. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because I know I've seen that somewhere. I don't know that it was that show or if it was just another show that did a similar concept in a slightly different way. I, feel, I, feel, I think it was something different. Yeah, but totally. I, I I think the the one I saw was the <clears throat> people met for a blind date, and oh, their sure. basically their inner neuroses found a bond with the other person, and, and, and it was caused for an interesting bond in the couple that was dating, and it was just an interesting dynamic to watch play out. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, that's, that's kind of wish I'd seen. Your version of, 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 of that now. That, 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 that idea, obviously, several people have the imaginary idea and, and trading places ideas. It's kind of like imaginary fun Fiki Friday. Yeah, oh, totally, totally. I wish I would have thought of that like three summers ago. Would have been an easy way to market it. Yeah. Well, you know, probably wasn't really that close to Freaky Friday, but because <laughs> that, that would be its own problem. Yeah. <laughs> or big. But, um, yeah, so let's see. Any projects that you got coming up soon while I get the pour going? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I am working on um, quite a few little um, improv shows right now. I'm part of a, a, a run during Wednesday evenings at Huge Theater um, at 8 p.m. with a group um, that I formed out of um, some improv classes um, that are good friends of mine. We've been performing for the last year or so together, and it's called My Town, and we shockingly tell 
improvised coming of age narrative stories. Um, very inspired by like 50s, 60s kind of Americana, stand by me, um, all that stuff. So I'm detecting a theme. Clearly branching out, right? Um, <laughs> um, and um, uh, otherwise, I'm doing a, um, a Friday and Saturday night run at Huge Theater of a um, wonderful, wonderful show called uh, Family Dinner, which is an improvised Thanksgiving dinner. Where the first 45 minutes or so is the family kind of coming into a house and like greeting each other and, you know, greeting all the people that kind of rush into anyone's. Um, it's our our best efforts to recreate that kind of chaotic, love-filled um, insanity of uh, Thanksgiving. And then the second act is us all sitting down at an actual table with an actual meal and uh, kind of playing out what would happen. Um, it's really great. And... Uh, um, I was able to see it last year and was lucky enough to get cast in it this year. And uh, it's just such a delightful like time. And uh, it's something that anyone can relate to. And it's such an interesting improv show because it is so close to home. Uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's really great. And um, beyond that, um, one more improv show uh, coming up in uh, January and February on Friday nights. I'm at Huge as well. Um, and then... Uh, during the first Friday, sorry, a lot of stuff. Stop no. me when I'm just like going on too long. We have the time. <laughs> it is two of us. Uh, <laughs> um, Friday, December seventh, is uh, um, that um, group I'm with. Uh, my town is performing um, our kind of Christmas spectacular, so to speak, at the Phoenix Theater. Um, we're calling it Snow Wizard Days. Uh, so it's us kind of creating our um, kind of. Semi Tim and Eric Krimbus like uh, um, fake Christmas celebration, and um, revolving a lot of different acts of improv and sketch comedy and um, theater around it. Um, and that'll be at Phoenix on Friday, December seventh. And uh, Christmas stories, the Sheep Theater on December twenty third. Christmas Eve Eve at the Ritz Theater. And that's all. Right on. Yeah, so you, yeah. you you said you, you you teach improv as well. Yes. Yes. So uh, what what kind of but what, what's involved in, in being a teacher for an improv class? Oh, a lot of second guessing and a lot of just hoping you're not screwing it up. Um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not taking any official classes, but Fearless Comedy for a while ran an improv jam that I would occasionally attend. So I, 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 oh, I, yeah, totally. I've played some warm-up games. I've done a couple of, of, of things, but I've not really done a lot. So um, kind of curious yeah. as to, to what it is from the other side. Uh-huh. Um. Well, it's a whole lot of things. Um, to start, I guess um, it's kind of just a regurgitating of everything that you kind of identified with. Like, I try to kind of, I'm given a syllabus of things to operate on, and kind of a lesson plans of sorts, and I have a higher up and a boss who works with us. And But at the same time, there's room for kind of invention for how you want to go about it. And um, I usually just do um, what is essentially a like regurgitation of everything that I really liked or identified with when I was learning improv or when I was taking classes. Like, oh, that exercise was the best, or I loved the way that you know they framed that and like kind of how they kind of directed me. So a lot of that is just kind of taking the styles of those who kind of t- taught you <laughs> to help teach others. Um, all goes round and round, I guess. Pay it forward mentoring. Pay it forward mentoring, indeed. What's what would you say is your favorite improv structure? Narratives for sure. 
I think the narrative structure is the most rewarding and the most entertaining, if done, like, well. And, um, as far as, like, on the inside, there's nothing quite, there's nothing quite, like, the feeling of, like, getting that kind of, like, that rush of, like, succeeding at, like, wrapping, like, an improvised narrative and, like, we told a whole story and, you know, the audience really, you know, digged it and um, walking away from that is such a cool feeling, um, thinking that you just made it up on the fly and it's not, it's never going to happen like that again. Um, it's real cool. Yeah. So that's what I love. I, of all the structures, and I, I love so much about it, but narrative is definitely nearest and dearest. Awesome. All right. Yeah. I'll give you a little let's break on that. Let's, 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 let's get back into the show. <laughs> so, this is... Ooh. The Macramore Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, a peated Iran malt. So this is, this is from the uh, Isle of Iran. Um, I think we've done an Iran malt before, but not this one. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to knowing it's been a long time. Again, we've kind of got a, a pale straw for the color. Ooh. Yeah, it's almost a, getting like a candied kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely getting the peat in there, which is good because sometimes they say peated something and then I don't get any peat and I'm very disappointed. Um, <clears throat> the candy cherry. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just living in that peat right now. Living that peat. Um, those frequent listeners to the show know that uh, the regular hosts are uh, big fans of Ely Scotches as a general rule. The Froigs, Lagavulins, Bowmores. Uh, we like the peat. Uh, Ardbeg is probably the the favorite distillery for me right now in terms of the number of expressions that I've had positive feelings for <clears throat> percentage-wise. Although Bullmore does pretty good, too. Um, but let's see if I can get past the peat and the cherry here. <clears throat> I feel there's something else here. Maybe... I'm honestly kind of... St- like getting a nose of like drying, like almost completely dry, but not completely dried straw or hay. <clears throat> kind of do a reset and maybe fix that frog in my throat some water. And of course, Trill is trying his best to join in the podcast. <clears throat> oh, he will play with your your cap too. <laughs> hey, Stay out of the cheese, boy. Hey, hey, no. No, no. Even after the reset, I'm mostly just getting the the peat and the cherry. Thing. But you know, it's a pleasant <clears throat> nose. I I can I can live with this. <clears throat> Going in a little bit more of an upfront burn with this one yeah, than with the last. A lot more. That peat's coming through nicely. Fairly unusually, I'm, I'm <clears throat> I feel I'm even getting a little bit of a flavor of like dark berries on the palate which usually that's just a nose thing it's not frequently in the body itself and i'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting a dark cherry or maybe a, a raspberry in here mm. ah but pete i like pete pete's my friend there's <laughs> a little bit of a kind of a sour on the top of the finish for me Moving into the middle finish, um, but I could you know be a sour cherry. It's playing through. Um, <clears throat> not a particularly long finish, but it, it lingers for a little while. Um, it's a little cloying on the tongue. 
but not not the worst we've ever had as far as that's concerned. This is pretty good. It's it's it's, it's not living up quite to what the alt was doing, but it's just it's just still pretty solid. I'm I'm feeling we chose a nice pair here. <clears throat> and now we science. Add a little bit of water. So the peach really coming through on the nose now. The <clears throat> the hints of the fruit I feel have kind of been lost. At least compared to what it was. I'm gonna do a nice reset here. Yeah. Water made it go bye bye. <clears throat> and with the reset, even the peat's kinda gone a little. But still that's mostly what I'm getting. The the fruitiness has, has left me in the nose. Trill. I see you sneaking up on that nice and slow. Learning subtlety in your old age, are you? Alright, I feel I've been given a lot of the descriptions first. What, what, what are you getting in the palette to start here? Um, I was also getting that kind of um, cherry to the um, kind of sourness at the end. Um, definitely burns uh, quite differently and more than the that first one we did, this is kind of more the end. This has kind of struck me as a more um, kind of a traditional, I guess, scotch experience of, ah, uh, there's the burn. Um, so yeah, not, not quite as um, not quite as slick as the last one. Not not in a bad way, but um, that's my palate. With the with the water on the palate for me, I'm almost getting like a charcoal at the at the top of the finish. Trill, would you not go after the cheese, please? Thank you. He's being very quiet, but he's being very persistent. No, <laughs> no, you are cute. This does not translate well to an audio show. There are times where I really wish I had a camera because it'd be incredible. Be great, but yeah. yes, not today, not this day, Trill. Not this day. Pete's coming through pretty strongly. I think that's where the charcoal—it's kind of evolving into that. Um, I've lost the fruit in the palate as well. Um, so, those of you who've listened to the show quite a bit, knowing that I like this kind of flavor profile. Um, the wet also has an appeal for me, but it, it's not exciting. It's just not terrible. Um, or, or, or not even mediocre. It's still, it's still well on the good, but I honestly was kind of digging the Altmore more. Um, so yeah, um, you want to kick off the score on this one? I'm going to throw... I'm going to throw a three at this one. Middle of the line. Uh, decent. Would enjoy it. Can enjoy it. Did enjoy it. Would not probably seek out again. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a three six. Um, like I said, it, it, it's got notes that appeal to me personally. Um, 
it is what it says it is, and I'm realizing I, I didn't read what it says it is, so I'll get to that in a moment. Um, but it is a peated Iran malt. I mean, it's it's got the peat flavor. Um, it's got characteristics similar to the other Iran malt we've had in the um, fact that it's it's just a nice solid single malt. Um, yeah, this was a, a, a second edition of the the Macramore uh, that was released in 2011. If you want to specifically get the same run, um, let's see what's got on the bottle. Okay, that seems to be fairly pretentious. Uh, limited edition, twelve thousand bottles. To be clear, um, it looks like again the bottle and the container had exactly the same content. So that's odd that I pulled two that did exactly that. But anyway, here's what it has to say for itself. On the west coast of the Isle of Iran lies a windswept and mystical peat bog called Macramore. Bronze Age stone circles and standing stones are strewn across its barren, undulating terrain. One of the stone circles is known as Fingal's Cauldron Seat, where sits a stone with a carved hole. The legendary warrior giant Fingal is said to have tethered his favorite dog Bran to this stone. This peated expression of the Aran single malt perfectly captures the rugged beauty and lore of the landscape. Unleash the legend that is Macramore. <laughs> so, pretentious much? Um, again, it doesn't say anything about the bottle itself. It's just talking about... The legend. Just the, the legend. So, again, another one where there's... But this one I'd say has some stronger cork dorkery to it than the last one. This this one was a little bit more head up its own ass about itself, but it it's still you know it's a fun story. It's fine. I really wish it would have had some tasting notes or something on it, but it doesn't. Peter Run malts that that that's all it is. But you know it's not wrong. So um, yeah, it, it's pretty good. So. Uh, we are at that point where we're closing things out. So again, um, Horror Fest is going on through uh, <laughs> November 4, so check that out. Um, the big fearless things that are coming up, we have our next show, uh, Riddle of the Mummy, opening this month. And uh, Intelligent Me forgot to pull it up on the computer before I started talking about it. So I am going to look that up while I vamp here. Um, but that is uh, Fearless Original uh, production that uh, is uh, written and directed by Fearless members and starring mostly Fearless members, I believe. Uh, tickets are $10 in advance, 15 at the door. This will be at the Strike Theater. Uh, looks to be November 9, 10, 16, 17, 23, and 24. Uh, at 9.30. So uh, you got several opportunities to check that out. Uh, I'm going to be at OmegaCon uh, the first full weekend of November here. Um, so I'm going to be playing some board games, hanging out with my PJs and drinking, because that's what I do. Uh, and the other big deal that we have coming up, of course, is Give to the Max Day is November 15th. 
So um, do remember to uh, pay attention to my Facebook page, Cedius DeRaven, uh, where I will be uh, giving some more details on what we got going on. But we're fundraising for Fearless Comedy Productions that day um, and, and all through the, the beginning of November. Um, so be sure to check that out. Um, one of the days, I haven't determined which day yet, um, for every $25 donation that is made, I will do either a haiku or a limerick about the monster of your choice. Um, we'll see how well that goes. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I tried to do anything like that. Um, so that, that, that will be a thing. I, I, actually, it might just be every $25 I'll write a haiku or limerick about a monster, and $50 might be you get to choose it. I haven't decided yet. But that will be happening as part of the fundraising effort um, throughout. So um, I am on a team that is monster-themed, hence that. <laughs> um, so feel free to go to the Give Them Max Day site, check out our goals. Um, it'll be all over the Fearless Comedy Production site. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the official team name for us is the Give to the Max Day Monster Science Street Team, because we have Reverend Matt of Reverend Matt's Monster Science as, as part of our team. Lovely. As, Lovely. A, as a fellow fearless member. And he's, he's got some shows as part of Horror Fest, uh, so you're going to want to check that out. Um, yeah. And it's realizing the 15th has two things going on to which I'm supposed to be at, which means I might not actually be at the tasting. Damn it. Whoops. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm bad at this. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. I'll give an update later, folks, in the in the show notes as to where for sure I'm going to be. I might not actually be at the tasting. Mm. Unfortunate. Uh, does you also do theater? Do you have a give to the max day thing that you are working? I will be working at huge for give to the max. So um, if you appreciate improv theater at all, please give to huge theater during give to the max day. Improvathon is going on uh, 24 hours that day. Um, so there'll be um, 24-plus hours of live improv from the night before going through the night of whatever the day that Give the Max is. I forget. The 15th. Yeah. Um, so coming out to Huge Theater. There'll be a lot of amazing groups performing, and they'll be trying to raise a lot of money for some uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful um, programming at a wonderful space. And while I myself am forced, because I'm a member of Fearless, to be at Fearless, by all means, absolutely support you. I, I threw some money at them last year. I intend to throw some money again at them this year, whether it be day of or sometime before. Um, it's definitely worth supporting what they do. Um, they're all improv all the time. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty solid. Um, one of these days I'm going to run taking a class, I swear. <laughs> Sorry, Butch. Um, so, yeah. So the final thing we do on the show is we toast our way out. And I generally ask our guest if they have a toast that they would like to do. Ooh. And I surprised them at the last minute because it's fun to watch them squirm. <laughs> Ooh, uh, uh, I guess a big old toast to, to Lux Theater and uh, Spooky Times. Slancha. <laughs> <laughs>